This is Rocky Snyder. At the tone, leave your name and message and I'll get back to you. wondering what I'm doing back. No, Rocky isn't interviewing me a second time. The tables are turned. I get to interview Rocky. I've known Rocky since 2014. We both attended the first Finding Center Anatomy in Motion course in the U.S. And we have crossed paths in many courses since then. And I've also attended, he hosts these wonderful study groups at his business, his gym in Santa Cruz, and I drive the six and a half or whatever number of hours it takes to actually go to his study groups. They're so wonderful. Um, but I'm actually going to start with, uh, I've heard you on quite a few podcasts, Rocky, both as the interviewer and interviewee, and there's often some little bit of sports banter. So my turn. Rocky and I share, <laughs> I wonder if you know what's coming. Anyway, Rocky and I share uh, roots in New England and we are both New England Patriots fans. That's one thing that we actually share a lot of um, fandom. I grew up going to Bruins and Red Sox games back then. The, the boys brought us because the girls could sneak the beer in. So been to quite a few games myself. Um, and I'm just wondering, okay, for those of you who are not American or not football fans, the New England Patriots, the, our American football team has won six Super Bowls since 2002, between 2002 and 2019, which is a really big deal. And the quarterback in all of those was a man named Tom Brady. And Tom Brady just recently won his seventh Super Bowl, but it wasn't with the uh, Patriots. And I'm just wondering how that felt for you, Rocky. It felt, I, I was excited, but it also felt really weird. And I thought of you and I'm just wondering, what was your experience? Well, it's, it's not feeling as weird as being on the receiving end of this interview. That's for <laughs> sure. But no, no, Margie, I love it. I, I love this idea that you had. Hey, because uh, I, uh, first, to answer your question, I loved my NFC New England Patriots, otherwise known as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've been following them all this season. <laughs> okay. I, I love it. I, I just, you know, Tom, I, I, I love watching him play. And it doesn't matter what jerseys he's wearing. I was rooting. I was so excited. It's as if we were watching the Patriots in the Super Bowl again. So that was amazing to have seven Super Bowls, more than any other franchise, let alone player, just remarkable. So I am stoked. And yes, I'm a diehard New England fan. <laughs> I have changed affiliations when it comes to hockey. I am a San Jose Sharks fan. Oh, hey. that. But I do love the Bees. I still love the Bruins. And when it comes to soccer or San Jose Earthquakes, uh, I would love to be yeah. in my premier league team is the Hotspurs, the Tottenham Hotspurs. But uh, but in locally, yeah, San Jose okay. Earthquakes. So okay. there you have it. All right. And just for the record, for those who don't know, Tom Brady is 43 years old. Whoa. Amazing. Okay, so we are going to dive into the meat of the uh, interview now. Okay. But 
before I go into a list of all of Rocky's accomplishments, and I actually had to write a cheat sheet because I was there's no way I was going to remember all of them. Um, but before I dive in, I'm going to say that to me, I'm going to call Rocky the magician. And what I mean by that, you may be familiar with a man named Tim Harris who wrote a book and got really, really, really rich called The Four Hour Week and The Four Hour Body. But Rocky, I think, has invented the 48 hour day because there's no way he's getting done everything that he gets done in 24 hours. No way. Even if he never sleeps. So he's a magician. I'm going to list his accomplishments. Um, so he has written four books and the most recent, which many of you may be familiar with is called Return to Center with a forward by our very own Gary Ward, inspired a lot by Gary Ward and or Anatomy and Motion in general. And um, if you don't own it, get it. It's a fabulous book, whether you're a strength and conditioning coach or not, I am not. I learned a ton. Really well-written, great book. He's a business owner and it's quite the business. I've been there. I know you've moved locations since I was last there, but it's the same business. Um, he's a presenter at conferences. And as far as I can tell, both academic and professional conferences, is that is that correct? And um, I'm just gonna guess pre-COVID, you were flying off four or five times a year to go present. Does that sound about right? Something yeah, in that Three or four times a year, about every quarter. Okay, but a bunch. And um, since COVID, you've been still presenting at uh, virtual conferences. Um, he's, we all know that he's a therapist, a coach, and now he's an AIM mentor. He's a podcaster. You have how many podcasts, Rocky? Besides this one, I think you have another podcast. Yeah, so yeah. And, and very prolific podcaster, by the way. Um, he's a YouTuber. Okay, you want to be mind boggled, go to his YouTube site. Whoa, big rabbit hole. Be prepared. Big rabbit hole. Excellent content. Tons of it. Uh, he hosts the US or California study group. Anyway, I've already mentioned that. He's a family man. I know just from being around him how dedicated he is to his family, incredibly involved in homeschooling his children. And boy, that's the job in and of itself. He's the push-up king. I've seen him on uh, some kind of competition where he did more variations of perfect push-ups than you can even imagine, or you, you wouldn't be able to make up that many. He himself is an athlete, I think mainly a surfer. You're going to jump in and correct me if I say anything wrong. And I know you also snowboard. I saw that I did go to your website that you're also or have been a soccer coach. Um, he has a broadcast ski and snow report on a local radio station. He's trained in many, many modalities. But to me, Rocky is that person that when I'm confused about something, I, Rocky, do you have time to FaceTime this afternoon? I don't understand X, Y, Z. And he always obliges. I'm so grateful. Um, so now to you, Rocky, first of all, did I, am I close? Did I miss anything big? Is that kind of? No, that's good. And it looks like we're out of time. I want to thank okay. you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all right. I mean, I just obviously the ADD in my life just keeps me. <laughs> all right. So, um, it, you know, there's an extensive bio on your website. I do recommend if people are really interested, go there. But Rocky, why don't you give us the short version of how you got where you are today and how you found, specifically leading up to how you found AIM? 
You know, it may sound funny, but it was the, the major means was through procrastination. And <laughs> it really was. I mean, it sounds like you just listed off a whole bunch of things that, um, yeah, that sounds impressive, but I, I don't really think of it the same way. It's just, <laughs> instead of doing this, I did that. I didn't mm -hmm. want to really focus on this. So what else could I do instead? So when it came to school, uh, somebody had brought me to a gym early on in my teen years at the end of high school. And I really loved how it felt and lifting and moving the body. And I found myself through the college years running to the gym to work out rather than attend classes. And every now and then I would jump into a lecture hall and, and I'd be surprised to, to know that my timing was great because an exam was about to take place and, uh, and hopefully do okay. <laughs> I guess I did because I managed to walk away with a degree, uh, but that was in English literature. And lo and behold, yeah, I, I guess I used that degree later in life. But for the most part, I really used the procrastination tool of working out. And, and somewhere along the way, moving from New England to California, within a year's time, after being a line cook at a tourist destination restaurant, uh, they, they replaced all of the, the help when the, the ownership changed. And a roommate of mine at the time happened to see a classified ad in the local newspaper for help at a health club and a gym. And he just said, this, this is right down your alley. Why don't you go and apply? And this was in the early 90s. And within a year's time, they began developing a personal training program. And they asked me to, they kind of recruited me into that, me and another fellow who happened to be really looking at getting certified as well. So we became strength conditioning uh, specialist CSCS that was back in 92 93 and and within a few more years in 96 I decided that I would I would leave the confines of the club and try and pursue it myself and I opened up a business down the road and so yeah March 18 1996 this March 18th will March uh, will mark I think actually this is going to air right around that time that'll be 25 years in business and uh, wow and making so many mistakes since that time <laughs> trying to gain experience i guess that's that's really what it comes down to and in terms of anatomy and motion that's one of those kind of coincidental like dumb luck opportunities i was not one of those nkt people that mm -hmm. really populated the the groups at the time back in in, in 2014 I was one of just another person that happened upon it that was like a trainer that came to Corte Madera to, to learn in the first workshop. I was looking at a Facebook post from a colleague oh. of mine in, in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, Arthur wow. Sue. And, and he just happened to post this excerpt from a book called What the Foot? And I had just wow. gotten back. Yeah, I had just gotten back from San Diego and- uh -huh. I attended the Gray Institute. Gary Gray was offering his like 30th anniversary year of, of chain reaction, where he looked at how the foot struck the ground and how it had a chain reaction through the body. And I thought that was so phenomenal because up uh -huh. until I was doing a variation of the Agoscu method with some other kind of, uh, I'll say, energy work from an osteopath here in town called Fritz Smith, who does inner, his book, Inner Bridges and Zero Balancing. I was kind of uh -huh. into that a little bit. So I've been a zero balance practitioner for a while. And, and that was just a lucky wow. thing that I found into because it just so happened the zero balancing headquarters was right here in Santa Cruz after reading. I his had book. no idea oh, yeah, about I that. Got, yeah. So, I, mean, I, I thought I knew everything about you. No, no. So I was really into the, the energy of the skeletal yeah. system 
and then doing the Agoscu method, we were looking at the spine, the pelvis, the shoulders, and the head, but we never really delved down into the feet. And then when Gary's course of chain reaction, Gary Gray, that is, yes. came around, I gobbled it up and it was so almost, it was emotional. Like the response I was getting in, in that weekend course was amazing. And then I read this excerpt of What the Foot, and I was going, oh, this is just like every mm -hmm. sentence was was a dinner that I was eating up. <laughs> and I was so hungry for it. I sent away and, and it came. And lo and behold, Gary had actually handwritten a little insert, put it in the book and said, if you if you like what you read and you want to learn more, maybe try attending a, a workshop. And I thought, well, that's great. I just I sent away to London for this book. And up until right to this moment here, I have never been to Europe. Uh, I've only stayed in the in the in North America and a little bit down into uh, over to Hawaii for little surf trips and whatnot, but never. And I thought, oh, yeah, great. I'm married, two kids with a business. The likelihood of me traveling to London, forget about it. And then I, I looked up the website and there's one happening north of San Francisco in like 90 days going, you got to be kidding me. Wow. Boom. So that's, that's how it all began basically with anatomy in motion. And, and then uh, it was level one. So then level two was going to be in June, but I had a surf trip to Baja and at the same time, I'm like, Oh, that stinks. But, Oh, well, wait a minute. There's, there's another one. Well, it was actually the surf trip was a little sooner than that, but there was a level two happening in New York city in that June. And so that was good. I had um, one of my good friends, his mom had an apartment on the Upper West Side. And she said, you can wow. stay here if you want to. I know. So that was really nice. <laughs> so I got like a bachelor weekend in New York. <laughs> and I got to learn anatomy in motion and then go see a show or, or eat some wild food and, 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 and learn that I had no idea uh, <laughs> about how to even grab a foot. So uh -huh. That was, yeah, then when it came to, at that time, we were doing foot mobilization where you lined up the chairs on one side, mm -hmm. lined the other. I remember. Person, you're holding. So I had this big moke of a guy. I don't even remember his name, but he was like gigantor. And, Noah. and he had the biggest foot like Fred Flintstone. And I'm the smallest guy in the room. And I'm holding this 20 pound foot, trying to figure out how it moves and everything. And I just said, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, but, but <laughs> and so that's, that's how that whole kind of thing about uh, just trying to get as many hands, uh, many feet in my hands as possible began. And I remember actually you had a goal of, was it a hundred a year, a thousand a year? Now I don't remember what, what yeah, I thought it would be kind of nice. I, I kind of did the math in my head and it's the middle of June. So I've got about six and a half months. And if I, if I saw, you know, basically less than a hundred people. If I can get my hands on two or three feet a day, of uh -huh. pairs of feet, I, I thought I could get to 1,000 feet. Okay. 500 okay. pairs by the okay. end of the year. And as it turned out, I didn't make my goal. It, it happened sometime in the next month, January of 2015. Oh, missed it by a month. I know, right? So disappointing. <laughs> but, the, but the best part of it, where I really amped up my appreciation of of the or accumulated the numbers was I was invited by our local hospital that I have a kind of a partnership with we do classes for them and uh, they said well we have a women's health fair coming up at a local hotel do you want to have a booth and I thought yeah that'd be great and so I got to the the health fair 
And people have set up all these tables with apron uh, covers and, and they put out these little treats or, or widgets for giving uh -huh. little tchotchkes kind of thing. And I had some business cards and a, a couple of like stickers and, and that was it. And, and I was just sitting at a table going, I have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, this might be an opportunity to do some foot mobs. And so I took the two chairs and put them on the outside of the table, facing uh -huh. one another. And then I just went to the outside of the table and I just sat down. And that's all I did. I just sat there and I waited for, for women to pass by. And they were all lining up on all these other tables. And, and <laughs> one woman, I swear, one woman came by and she just looked down at me and she's like, well, so what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm offering like a foot massage kind of, I just want to explore and move your feet around. And she said, oh, honey, all right. So she sat down, kicked off her, her shoes, and I just started doing the foot mobilization. Well, you can imagine what that would be like, you know, when there's a whole bunch of women in a room and there's this guy sitting in a chair looking like he's trying to fit shoes on somebody, but he's just manipulating their foot. And Brilliant. And, oh, yeah. So some another woman came by and said, oh, well, I want that next. And <laughs> before you knew it, I had the longest line of ladies out of any table and all everybody else in the booths are going, well, what the heck is he doing? <laughs> they had to, I would just say, well, here, come back after this woman. I know you're in line. Just go ahead and go to the rest. And I don't know how many feet I grabbed over the course of three hours or so, but it was quite a bit. It was, it was, it boosted me closer to that thousand. I'll tell you that. And one, one of the women came by and she had been uh, really feeling a lot of diabetic leg pain. And she had been suffering oh. from it for the longest time. And she said, will this help me? And I said, I have no idea. All I'm doing is just, can I get your bones to move and feel mm -hmm. what it's like? And, but you're welcome to see what it feels like. And she was one of the first and about a half an hour went by and she comes back and she just taps me on the shoulder. And she says, I have to tell you, my pain is gone. I've, I've never felt that before. And this is my friend. I told her all about you. You have to feel her feet. And I was like, wow. I don't wow. know. That was, that was amazing. And I don't know if it was a placebo effect, if it was something that I did. I have no idea because I was fumbling around like a, like a, a junior high school uh, kid <laughs> trying to undo a bra strap. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. But over time, you know, you get to feel the subtleties. And I look back at like when I look, when I just look at a foot now, it, it is so different than the oh. first big Moke's foot that I was holding in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a story. That was fun. So I'm wondering also in our fields, loosely called field, what, are, you know, movement, the broad spectrum of movement practitioners of all kinds, there's kind of a spectrum and it's a little bit fuzzy from pain alleviation to maybe fitness and prevention to performance improvement. And I know within our community and on the AIM forum, we've got people at all 
parts of the spectrum and some people span the whole spectrum. And I'm wondering, I'm guessing that you came from mostly uh, performance improvement and sort of fitness and prevention realm. Yes. When did, it, that's a guess, but just from reading your bio, but when did you sort of move into the more therapeutic realm and where are you today? Are you all over the spectrum or are you mainly in the therapeutic realm? Because, you know, within the AIM community, we know you mostly within the therapy realm. So um, just curious. Sure. So obviously, yeah, starting with personal training and, and general population fitness, Santa Cruz is not New York City, LA, Boston. I mean, we're not the urban hub of this area. So when it comes to professional athletes, I've had my share over the years in Olympic contenders or Olympic athletes or uh, However, it's only because they've been passing through or they settle down here, they hear about me and so on. I imagine that if I was over in San Jose or San Francisco, it might be a little bit different because of all the professional sports teams over there. But, mm -hmm. uh, but mostly it was general population and fitness, but it was not long into doing personal training that I encountered my first mentor. And it was after a conference I attended in New Orleans and that was the year that O.J. Simpson was driving down the 405 on a white Bronco or the I-5, whatever it was, because I was heading to the conference and I saw the TV in the lobby of the Holiday Inn we were staying at and going, oh, so that's what's happening back home kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so one of, the, one of the speakers became my mentor because he was talking all about muscular balance and function development and how to use movements and exercise to realign the body, which up until that point, we were all doing bodybuilding and, and powerlifting and, and, and even Olympic lifting, which those three things are still what most programs are predicated on. And it's all about just gross force production or, or aesthetics. And I had so many clients complaining of so many pains that all I was just doing was avoiding the things that cause the pain or trying to, giving them something else. Instead of bench mm -hmm. press with a bar, it would be a dumbbell or, or whatever. I didn't really understand. And then with his guidance, I began to understand that the way in which we were designing programs, we're pulling people out of alignment. We're guiding uh -huh. away from center and not toward a centrated body. And, and it was a very devastating path of education for me because I was a very popular trainer. Things were going really well there. And lo and behold, the stuff that I was doing was actually harming the people I was trying to help. So that, that rocked my world. I had to unlearn so many things and try and learn something new, which began to be a cyclical practice of unlearning to learn something uh, more uh, more powerful, more efficient, more effective. And, and so then I started transitioning. I got, I got a part-time gig. I was asked to work at a chiropractic office and I was seeing this chiropractor, two chiropractors, in fact, were in the office and they were just flowing their patients into my little room. And I would have to do a, like, I say kind of in the book that it was like almost speed dating with posture assessment. And I had to really find out what was going on with their posture within a matter of about 10 minutes so that the next 20 minutes of the appointment would be spent giving them programs to perform on their own so that they were self-reliant. They had tools that they could use to maintain the adjustments that they were being given and their recovery rate accelerated because of it. And I really thought that, wow, you know, I'm, I grew up loving comic books and 
and I love the thought, you know, the, the, the mythological thought of the superhero, which, which ironically enough is something that I guess my life kind of follows. Like my, my personal world can be in shambles while my other persona is saving the world <laughs> so to speak, or saving people from pain. And, uh, and yeah, I surf. So I get into a skin tight outfit and every now and then I do dress up as Spider-Man for kids. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny how you plant those seeds early on, but but really I still maintained this hold on personal training and group exercise while delving deeper and deeper into the, the posture recorrection and, and then eventually into gates and posture analysis. And then of course with anatomy and motion, just got diving deeper and deeper into that. And then ultimately, how can I take the previous knowledge of strength-based training and overlay anatomy and motion, the flow motion model, and try and make sense of, of the type of programs that I'm developing so that I know that they're going to hopefully gain strength, agility, speed, higher performance levels, but still maintain the integrity of how the human body actually moves. And so that's that's kind of where I am now. Uh, most of the clients that I see are still dealing with chronic and acute pain and they've been referred to me through different means. And, and I give them programs, but I don't want to be with them for a very long time. That's, that's my goal, at least. I want to provide them with some tools, get them out of that place, give them some paint thinner to, to get them out of the corners of them, which they painted themselves in and see if I can just get them to spread out their ability to move. And then every now and then, if they want to come back and see me for a new program or whatever in a reboot, then we can do that too. Um, I do have some professional athletes that will come to town when they're, they're off season and they train with me. And, and that's fun. Cause that's like, that's, that's nuts and bolts kind of old school. It, it, it gives me a lift up energetically, but uh, yeah, most of the time these days it's, it's providing content and being an educator. So I really like teaching and, and the, the knowledge that I have acquired and sharing it with others. So whether it's the, the content online that I keep doing through YouTube, I don't know, or somewhere close to 600 videos or something on the channel, including the, the, the podcast themselves. But um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's where I am now. I've, I've gotten away from personal training. I don't like doing long-term training with people because there's kind of a codependency that can exist yeah. in itself that really weighs on me. And I know that people want to train with me at times, but I've got a mm -hmm. great staff and they do a great yeah. job. And if they want to see me initially and I'll develop the program and then I'll work with the rest of the staff to do it. But, but I need you to leave the nest. I need you to go yeah, yeah. And work with the others so that I can help more people. That's really what, what it comes down to. And I love presenting. You Perform Better has opened their arms to me and I'm now part of the Perform Better team. And I just, I just uh, did another presentation about building strength from the ground up and getting the most out of your feet. And of course, you know, honorable mentions to Gary several times over with that. But uh, that's, that's the, yeah, as you can tell, I, I like public speaking. I mean, between radio and what we do here, I really enjoy uh -huh. it. my drugs of choice, I guess. Good. Well, I'm glad you do because you're very good at it. And I've learned a lot from your public speaking. Um, so my next question is, I know very little about strength and conditioning. I mean, I, I was an athlete in college and we had a little bit of strength and conditioning, but honestly for the women, what I remember is they made barbells with using some kind of bar and cans with cement in them. That uh -huh. was, uh, I think, Title IX. Really the, cool. I love facilities. 
I think with Title IX, the facilities have gotten a little better for female uh, college athletes. But um, so I am curious, um, how has your, I, well, let me just say that I, I've worked with a number of people who go to gyms, various gyms and all different kinds, you know, Olympic lifting and CrossFit and different kinds of lifting. And I know that there's very definite cueing on foot, knee, hip position. I don't think it's uniform across all different kinds of lifting, but I know that it's very specific. And I'm just curious, how has your cueing changed? Or if you're not seeing uh, personal training clients that much anymore, do you educate your staff? Because I imagine that there is queuing of squatting going on in your gym. So um, I'm just curious, yes. how has it changed and how do you educate your staff? Okay, well, we'll tackle the educate the staff first. I okay. do weekly, we do weekly mentoring. So every oh. week we, and, and I pay- Can my I get a job there? Do you have any openings? <laughs> You're welcome to it. We've got the 401k plan and everything. But uh, <laughs> yeah, every, and, and we pay them to learn which is kind of unique. We actually, they clock in and I spend an hour every week uh, in, in mentoring them. And, and we deal with pronation and supination mechanics because those are the two options that we have as long as we live on planet earth. What mm -hmm. happens to the body when we land on it and what happens to the body when we leave it? Briefly, right? So yeah, right. And everything that we do in the facility is, is really founded on that, uh, every strength exercise. Now, uh, so, so there's that. And, 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 uh, and I only have a couple of trainers. Uh, we're looking to maybe to get uh, another trainer soon, but that's, that's really what we do. And I think that they have learned enough where they could pick, pick apart or piece together the flow motion model. If I just guided them a little bit. Now I don't teach them that because that they, they didn't take the course and that wouldn't be right. right. I want to respect right. Gary's work and I want to, and, and he's become a really dear friend and, and I want to protect him. But I, I also need my staff to learn the basics of pronation. Right. And once they know that, well, then the way in which we cue has, has drastically changed actually. Over the course of time, I like to think that my coaching has improved over time and, and I learn from certain certain mistakes or over coaching, over cueing and just make it simple. But really we look at the bones, right? Where are the joints go? Where are the bones going? What are the joints doing? And what speed is everything taken? And mm -hmm. so we look, we'll use coach's eye for kind of a, an educational tool and we'll film each other and go, okay, what's looking like it should occur here when it's not? And how can we get that to occur? So we can cue them with wedges without verbal cues. We can just cue uh -huh. them by putting the wedge in place and, they, and then say, how does that feel? Where do you feel this? Like asking questions is the, one of the best ways of cueing somebody rather mm -hmm. than telling we ask. Like, mm -hmm. where, where do you feel this? Because often is the case, clients say, well, where am I supposed to feel this? Where do you feel it? I would rather yeah where you feel it, because that's going to give us insight. And if you're feeling it somewhere where I'm not expecting, that's really great information that I need to know. 
because it looks like you're doing it pretty well, but something is not going on the way it should, because instead of feeling it over here, you're feeling it over there. Ah, okay, so now, now we have something we can work with, and now we can do a little problem solving and change this little thing here. Okay, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to lead with this area and let me know how that is. Oh, wow, I'm just really feeling it over here. Okay, good. That's where I want you to feel it. So I want you to try and get that feeling every time and bring some awareness. And I keep using the word awareness over and over. Bring some awareness into this body. You've owned it all your life. It would be really great to know what it's doing or what it should do. So that's the, yeah. the big change, right? Going from the muscle to the bones was instant, was just um, that was a game changer in itself. As soon as I started mm -hmm. watching the, the bones, I didn't have to be so concerned with which muscle was doing what. I mean, in, in our industry, it was so absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're so focused on blaming a muscle for all the problems of the world in, in the <laughs> body, right? It's like, and, and it changes like a fad diet. You remember when it used to be the psoas? And then it's so as in the rhomboids, right? No, rhomboid. My chiropractor told me I need to stretch my rhomboids or, or, or strengthen my, sorry, strengthen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Your lower trap. My so yeah. Right. Or, or then it was the multifidi. Maybe yeah. it was the yeah. transverse abdominus. That was, that was very. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, of course. Right. I, everybody comes in. I need to strengthen my core. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Those fads. It's, and then it, lately it's been the glute medius. And so you, oh, throw, yeah, you throw yeah, a rubber yeah. band around somebody's ankles, knees, or feet, and you have them walk sideways. Like that's going to solve everything. I mean, right, right, right. Or clamshells. Yeah, right. Lay we we almost predict. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine after that. You're just right, right, right. So as soon as we stopped hunting a muscle and started looking at how the body was moving or not moving. Uh huh. You just couldn't let go of all that absurdity of trying to blame one muscle out of 635, 670, 700. We still don't know how many muscles are in the body. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Wikipedia is all over the place. Google search is all over the place. We know there's hundreds of them. And yeah. two thirds of them are responsible for locomotion, at least. Yeah. So now right. we're, we're down to about 400 muscles and you're going to blame one out of 400? I mean, that's... I know. I, I completely agree. I tell my clients and when I teach a class, I tell the students, I want you to forget you even have muscles and just, you know, we cover what the joint motions look like. And I tell them, I want you to be visualizing your skeleton in everything we do. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. Yeah. I was going to say just yesterday. So I've got, it's going to sound like I'm not trying to toot, but uh, so we've got contracts with the local uh, fire departments. There's there's two fire departments here that contract me to come over and be their strength conditioning consultant. So I, I've got four stations on each. There's three shifts of firefighters at, at each station. And uh, essentially, I go over on a quarterly basis and put together the programs. Well, one of the firefighters yesterday was talking about, you know, he's got, he's got golfer's elbow. And what do you do about golfer's elbow? And so you know, what the typical thing would be is, well, we want to stretch out that area and so on. But, but, but we were, that opened up a conversation is really what it did. I said, well, 
it probably isn't the elbow that's causing the problem because it's probably overworking. Now it's getting inflamed. So where isn't it that you're, you're working as hard? It could be neighboring up into the shoulder. So let's just check your arms range of motion, shoulder range of motion. Everything seemed okay there, but you could tell huh? there was a little discrepancy in the level of his shoulders. Almost like this brings me to like Chris and his story. It's like, well, if we were to create a story behind it, right? Well, uh -huh. It really looked like he was trying to get off of his off of his right leg, the way that his his shoulder yeah. leaning and his upper body was ever so subtly like he didn't want to yeah. be right leg. And so you go, well, you, is there a history to your to your right leg? Is there something going on there? And, you know, he's a 30 something year old firefighter. But he's like, oh, nah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, in high school, I, I, I tore my M, my MCL or ACL or something like that. Like, ah, but that was a long time ago. I'm like, yes, you're right. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a while for things to show up, just like a leaky roof. You wouldn't know it uh, until you saw something happening after many, many rainstorms go by. So we basically gave him a few things to, to load onto his right leg and trying to get him to really feel what it's like to properly load and, and, and propel off of that knee. And you know the story. I mean, and then you check in with the, yeah, yeah. how's that feeling? And so on. Yeah. So but it opened up their minds and their eyes from the closed kind of perspective of if I have pain, that's where the problem is kind of thing, right? Instead, uh -huh. you, just, you say, well, what if? And I love that. I love that phrase. And I, I love putting a question mark at the end of most statements because that just, it opens up so much more opportunity of learning and keeps your mm -hmm. mind open rather than putting an exclamation point that just says firmly, this is how it is. Like that's, who knows? The body is so complex that maybe it wasn't the knee. After all, maybe it was something that we don't even know about, but there's always a reason. And that's, I guess, that's what I love about anatomy and motion that it's, I, I love mysteries and I love learning how things work. And if we, and that's, that's all it is about for me, I, yeah, if I help somebody, that's cool. And that sounds kind of insensitive or, or callous, but I'm not really doing it to help people in a way. I, it, yes, I really like getting people out of pain and, and I like the pat on the back and that's all great. And I like seeing their, their energy change and, and their mind opening up to what they could now do now that they're not feeling these restrictions and limitations. But in truth, I really just want to solve a mystery. That's what I really want to do. Uh, I totally agree. I feel like we get paid to solve puzzles and how lucky are we that, awesome. that we can do that. Um, but I, now I want to actually turn to your, I think, favorite sport. Well, I don't know if, it's a, if there's a preference between snowboarding and surfing, but your <laughs> main sport perhaps. And um, living in Santa Cruz, I'm just curious about how many days a year do you get to surf roughly approximately like my husband can tell you exactly how many days he skied last What's last winter so they, they know it well i do i gotta say five days right now this season on my snowboard i do i i count <laughs> but i've got buddies that that are like your husband and they go into the triple digits and i just get so pissed i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> you get to go that many times that's remarkable but for us the beautiful thing about Santa Cruz is that we yeah. live in the ocean, so you can surf yeah. just about every day as long as there's okay. waves. But you can travel, unlike when we were growing up in New England, you can actually drive to winter. 
you know? I yeah, can, yeah, yeah, right. How, how, how far are you? I can, yeah, how many hours? It's Well, Dodge Ridge is three and a half hours. That's the closest ski resort. Okay. It, it's okay. okay. You know, Bear Valley is a little bit more than that, 345. If I want to go to Sugar Bowl, Boreal, uh, Donner Ski Ranch, anywhere, I'm looking at four hours. Okay. And I want to go to Squaw, I'm at four and a half. So I definitely know the distances to travel there. And and the one thing I haven't done, and, and maybe this spring I will do it, is snowboard in the morning, take off at noon, and just do a half day, and then blaze a trail back to Santa Cruz so that I can surf for a sunset. Oh, and do the you have to do it. Day. You that have to. That would be yeah, board and, and board and board from snow to okay. snow. But but to answer Rocky. Your question, okay, sorry, go on. No, to answer your question, it it over the years it has changed. Before kids, I surfed every stinking day I could, which okay. Was okay. and then the kids came along and responsibilities increased. And and then there was a time where I could count the number of surf sessions basically in a year on both hands. Like I was maybe getting oh, out. Oh yeah because there was things to do, but now my kids are older and uh, they both love surfing. And I don't know where they got it from, but yes, they do. <laughs> and one is competitive and he, he wants to be, he wants to be that sole surfer that gets sponsored by companies. And all he does is travel the world, finding great breaks. And, and my daughter's, well, she's, she's much more responsible than that, but she loves surfing and she works at O'Neill surf shop. And, and so with them, I'm back to surfing almost every day, as long as they get their schoolwork done. Oh, so, so in a few yeah. hours from now, I will be out there. In fact, a couple of their friends want to come out and learn. So I'll, I'll do a little bit of instructing out there at the same time. So we'll have fun. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm curious, um, how has Anatomy in Motion changed your surfing or has it? And if so, how? Oh, yeah, nice. Well, I, you know, uh, many, many moons ago, in, in early 2000s, I wrote the first conditioning book for surfing. And I saw that. <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, no one had really written anything on it. So you know how it is. You write a book and then you're instant expert. So I guess for the last 20 years, I've been, I've been the guy who wrote the book on surf conditioning. And mm -hmm. uh, don't go out and buy it. I, I, don't, I don't think very well of it because uh, it was 20 years ago with the knowledge I yeah. had, which is okay. I mean, it, it's all right. Yeah. People are going to get yeah. something. But from a creator perspective, when I look back, I'm like, oh, I need to rewrite it, which is kind of how the last book came about, Return to Center. I started rewriting the surf book. And then Dana, my wife, said, this is something different. This is a completely different book. You should just write what you're writing and don't worry about surfing. And that's how that came about. But it, how Anatomy in Motion, the flow motion model, has related to my surfing that's, that's honestly a really good question. Other than my own level of performance, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years older than Tom Brady. And I feel like, yeah, I'm at that level where I can surf as long as I want. I can paddle any distance I need to. I can stay out as, and catch as many waves that, that will be allowed to me, depending on the crowd. And uh -huh comes to wiping out, uh, you know, knock on wood, it hasn't been an issue. Uh, I do recall many times landing on my board where I'm almost kissing my ankle and I've just been pressed into it and I just pop right out. So I, I think pliability is something like Tom Brady and Alice Guerrero, his trainer, have kind of coined, but I, I like using it. 
uh, the, to be pliable and resilient, I guess, is where the flow motion model has been created in my body. Um, I, I took a really hefty spill up on the mountain a couple of weeks ago, snowboarding and filming one of my kids. And I wasn't showing off, but I had to, I was in front of him. So I had to flip around backwards. So I'm snowboarding down the mountain backwards and my edge caught and I slammed into the mountain so hard that there is bruising here, but, but through doing cause look at that range i mean there was no fractures which was something okay. but there was tissue damage yeah they, yeah i wanted to be in a sling when i went and got the x-rays and i said oh no <laughs> no i yeah. actually i need this moving and that the the night after the the impact on the mountain i got home and my and it was sunset and my daughter said can we go surf i'm like yes we can Whoa. Now, well, I think I can. Yeah. And so I was just peeling on and off the wetsuit carefully and paddling out there, but it felt great. So doing the cogs and working on movements and not only here, but down into just how everything connects. I truly think that this has recovered faster than, than any other means. So yeah, that's, I mean, isn't it incredible when you can give a firsthand testimonial to the work you're doing to, for your clients, that it's just a whole nother level of relating to them and being able to communicate with them and cheerleading a little bit for what we do. Because um, I too have used anatomy in motion to heal myself from various knee replacement, among other um, injuries. So um, I'm also curious, and I'm sure that many people on the forum would be curious, what does a session with Rocky look like? Because I know that you have a lot of tools, including the force plate. Uh, for example, how long is your, do you have an intake session? And if so, how long is it and what does it look like? So and I'm sure that it's dependent on the client, but if you could generalize, you know, what, what a intake session with you looks certainly. like. Yeah, most often than not, uh, and there's no such word of the uh, there's no such word as biomechanical. It's biomechanics, biomechanic, or whatever, but we still use it. So it's a biomechanical assessment. That's the title okay. of the session, and okay. it is scheduled for ninety minutes, but it's it's really two hours. So there's there's no way I can try and do as much as I would like to in ninety minutes no matter what, because the first 20 to 30 minutes is really the intake. It's, it's finding mm -hmm. out, even though they bring in information, I still want to review it with them because as you can attest to, as you're talking, then more is revealed. And then you start uh, doing a posture assessment and, and, or moving the body and that triggers a memory for the client. And then now there's something else that came up, right? And, oh, mm -hmm. I, it, it was hilarious when the, one of the first, it maybe was, it was level three and it was back in Corte Madera in 2015. And Chris is, is working with this guy that was attending it in, in one of the breaks. And I just, I just wanted to sit down and watch and he's feeling his foot and he's around the metatarsals and the guys. And he said, so what's, did you ever injure your ribs? 
and of course, you and I, you know, we kind of understand with metatarsals and how it. Re- yeah, yeah, right. And all that. But well, now we do. Now, yeah, now we do. But at the time, like, now we do. Yeah, I know. What the hell? Like he's <laughs> feeling his foot and he's asking for the ribs. This is some voodoo shit, you know? It's like that's, <laughs> the guy's like, no, no, I got nothing. Oh wait, yeah, I was stabbed. And I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? First of all. How do you relate the foot to the ribs? And then second, how does somebody forget that they were stabbed? But then, you know, you think about it after that in things, oh, well, traumatic experiences can be suppressed. So maybe that was it. I don't know. But anyway, uh, those kind of things might come out in a session with somebody when when I'm working with them. They may have suppressed something. Something comes up. You start moving a joint here and there and, and suddenly it, it's something's triggered emotionally or memory wise or whatever. So I do after the intake, I want to put them on the force plate and I do it for 52 seconds, a static posture, because I recall in one of the educational platform sessions, uh, there was some Spanish research that showed that that is a, an ideal time. And and I don't know what an ideal time is, but okay, I'm a lemming. I'm going to jump off the cliff with everybody. Sounds good. Yeah, 52, 52 seconds. seconds. And I, uh, I basically have a conversation with somebody as they're standing on the force plate while I'm standing right face to face in front of them and just just asking them about different things because they can't dual task. So if they're mm-hmm. answering a question that I'm thinking about, then they're not thinking about how they're standing. And, and that hopefully gives me a better understanding of what's going on. Then we review the results and, and I kind of create stories and hypotheses and what might be occurring here and there, but I don't know that for a fact. So I wanna go into their structure and find out from a posture perspective, anterior, posterior, both profile views, a little superior going down the backside, what's going on? And so on my whiteboard, I put these notes down and I, I write shoulders, skull, spine, hips, pelvis, knees, ankles, feet. And I start jotting notes on each of those areas and what I'm seeing with their posture. I'll write little illustrations of the feet and where's the center of mass going? Where's their pressure? What are the percentages? Trying to write those all out because at the end, I'm gonna just take a picture of the whole thing and file. And it's just an easy way to, to collect the information and, and store it. And then after we do the posture assessment, then I'm just going to have them walk around and, and just to just because they, they've been standing for a while. But while they walk around, I'm going to watch them and I'm just mm-hmm. going to see what is it that I'm getting a sense of, like almost like a blurred vision. Where do they want to go? What's really moving? What's reluctant and so on? Like, OK, that's good. What what plane of motion are they really uh, dominant in, in a way, and where, and, and then we'll come back and I'll have them standing in a, just a, a neutral stance and we'll explore the four movements of the pelvis, tilting, uh, translating, laterally tilting and rotating, then go up to the rib cage, then go to the shoulders, we'll do the skull. And then once that information's there, that's great. So I start to put together a little bit more of a formula and then I'll throw on my gloves, have them have a seat, and then I'll do a little foot mobe and try and get a little bit more uh, understanding about what's moving down there. And really interested about all the joints, but in particular what the rear foot is doing in combination with the forefoot. And just get a sense of where the arch is being formed in the foot. Is it the medial or is it, or is it in the toes? Are the arches being more formed uh. in the toes than in their, in, in their foot? And just, just that kind of thing. And then, then we just start to explore different maybe phases 
that uh, of the gait cycle that they might not experience and then get a sense of what's what's working well there what isn't and then we might kind of home in and focus into an area uh, and then not isolate but can I get that joint to move at a certain speed in, in a certain position and then let's go back to that phase and see how that integrates let's reassess it's this constant assess reassess assess reassess walk around let's see how it feels and let's come on back use the wedges don't use the wedges um I I will often at the end for their benefit, not more so than mine, I guess, put them back on the force plate and see what's changed. Uh -huh. But I don't use it. I, I get into trouble with the force plate, uh, at least early How on. So? Well, I would think that just because I'm getting closer to 50, 50, that, yeah. that that's, that's really, that's my goal. And right. so I started falling into that trap when I all really, what I really need to do is just appreciate if there's a difference and not be so concerned with what the percentages is. Like yeah. if they are living- oh, That's interesting, yeah. You know, if they're living with 65% of their mass over their left side, and then we reassess on the force plate and now it's, it's 59% and a little bit more over here, or even better, there's 65% over their right side and 35 over their left. I'm, I'm so stoked on that. I am good with that. Because something has changed. Something's yeah. changed. Maybe, something's changed. Maybe I know, yeah. maybe I don't know what it is, but uh -huh. their nervous system is going to have to adapt and their, and their structure is going to have to accommodate it. Their muscles are going to have to accommodate it. Everything is going to have to deal with this new place, this new normal from their old normal and beautiful. And, and so I don't hold on to the numbers so much when it comes to the force plane. It just gives me a gauge, a guide. Really. Okay. So I have just one last question that I'm going to throw at you and then we'll get all the usual information of how people can find you. Um, do you have any, what would you say is your most interesting or most challenging case study? Do you have one? In, I, I know that you get like gnarly uh, injuries or his injury histories. Is there any one that stands out in your mind as like, wow, this was just such a successful application of the flow motion model? Um, yeah. And I'm sure you have many, but is there one that you could just think of for now for this podcast? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not a mind blowing one, but it's really cool outcome, I guess. Okay. I, um, where first of all, I've had some where I have not been successful. So of course, like, and, and I should put those on the Facebook forum from time to time where I'm just banging my head against the wall. And, and not that I'm necessarily asking for help, but if somebody wants to throw it in there, I, I'm not against um, uh, getting advice and so on. I, I love learning, but, uh, but just to say, just to kind of preface this is that there's times where I have no idea. And I have, and I get so confused that I just have to go, okay, let's just go back to the basics. Can they pronate and can they supinate, right? Let's just go back and I don't care what everything is doing. Let's just start somewhere. And, and maybe that will be the, the, the key to unlock something mm -hmm. else. Right. Mm -hmm. But to, to your question. Yeah. I, I had uh, actually one of my good friends and he and I moved out West together and, and, uh, 
and, but we don't see each other very often as, as odd as that is because our lives are so busy. He's married with kids and he has his own business too. But he came and saw me because he had, and he had fallen while walking his dog, injured his shoulder. He had some knee and low back pain from a sedentary occupation. And, and he's an avid golfer and his golf game was the, was the determining factor. He was losing money from his friends when he went golfing and never before was this happening. So that was the impetus for him to come and see me. And, and it was a very successful kind of process that I saw uh, with him. And the outcome to this day is that he's, he's playing the greatest golf he's ever played in his life. So that, that, but that's not the story. It was his wife and his, okay. <laughs> his wife came in and he, he was just getting blown away by the fact that he could move his arm without pain again. And uh-huh. he, he forgot that he had back issues after getting back surgery years and years ago, he wasn't thinking about his lower back and, and that left knee that was troubling him. He was not really feeling it. And then it got to a point where he wasn't even thinking about it. So he wasn't thinking about those things. And it was all occurring over the course of like a couple of weeks, three or four weeks, uh-huh. a month and a half. And, and he said, oh, you've, you've got to, you've got to see my wife. And, and she's a doll. She, I adore her. She's this Amazon that stands two feet over me, but you know, I've got a thing for that anyway, but that's another story. Anyway, uh, she came in and, and she limped heavily limped in. She had just gotten, I think, cortisone shot because she was barely able to get out of bed for the last year and a half. She was in excruciating left hip pain and she had seen, of course, you know, doctors and, and she had been to physical therapy and, and it had helped a little bit, but she was still like in agony. Then some of the specialists were saying, you, you are a good candidate for hip replacement. You've got some, you've got some degeneration and some arthritis there. And you know the story like that. So mm-hmm. she comes in and sees me and, and we talk about her hip and it's been going on for a year and a half. And so what happened before that happened? That's always the question to ask. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what happened? Well, nothing happened. Okay, well, all right. It just kind of came on. Yeah, it just kind of came on. So you didn't hit it. There was no blunt force. No. All right. So, so we can rule that out. So it was an accumulation of something over time that wasn't working well. So mm-hmm. lo and behold, we found out through more of the intake that she had fractured her third metatarsal on her right foot five years prior. Which hip was hurting? Just so I can follow the story. Which hip? hip? Left hip. Okay. Left hip, excruciating pain, couldn't get out of bed, barely able to walk. Cortisone, she was walking, but limping. And she fractured her her third metatarsal on her right foot five years prior. And she was uh, put in a boot. And Mm -hmm. that boot she wore for six months. Mm Mm-hmm. And eventually, the, of course, it healed and she did a little physical therapy, but didn't put her heart into it because the pain had gone. And mm-hmm. they did a little balancing exercise here and there, you know, the trip, typical protocol for getting somebody out of a boot, get them on the bike and then give them a couple balance exercises, give them some Xerox sheets and, sheets and send them on their way. So we, you know, put her on the force plate. And what did it show? She wasn't bearing any weight into the right forefoot. She did not want to. In fact, she was just on the right heel and she was loading pretty heavily into the left side. Mm-hmm. So I, we just got her to feel what it was like to load onto that right foot properly, which is all about pronation mechanics. Can you land and load and, yeah. and feel that response? And yeah. her hips started feeling better right then. 
and then she can just love that. Yeah, you know, it's just I mean, that kind of thing. So within a week, um, the the pain was completely gone. She was walking around without limping. Actually, she was limping, and her family would say, "Hey, mom, why are you limping?" She said, "Oh, I forgot." And, you know, like she was practicing limping because she had been so used to it, and there was no need for it. So she would right. to call with that. And, and then pretty soon she was back in the garden with the next week. And then she was sitting into that child pose oh. with her legs, her feet splayed out and the most comfortable position that she could find oh. before that. She was like, oh my yeah. God, I can, I can sit in this position again. So it's that stuff, you know? It's I like, love that. What a great story. But I love, I, I love the riddle. I love the Yeah, riddle. yeah. You know, and, and I love that she's, she's feeling so good and, now the kids have come in with their own things seeing me and, and uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. So. I have a couple family affairs too. It's funny how that works, including my own family and my husband's family. We're both from big families. Yeah. Um, so um, this time has flown by. It was really fun turning the tables on you. And I'm sure that our community will be super excited to get to hear from you, Rocky. And um well, Before, this was your idea, so so thank you for doing this. And you were well, I, mean, I wanted to hear from you. You're amazing kind of interviewer. You did a great job, and and I can tell uh, you, oh my gosh, you did really really well. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much coming from you. That's quite the compliment. So where I'm sure you're going to put it in the show notes. They're actually your show notes. But um, where can people find you if they want to find you online or social uh -huh. media? Well, if you want to do some stuff with me, I would recommend the mentoring program that just is kicking off right now. So if you've been through Anatomy in Motion, this is my seventh year of diving deep, deep, deep into it. My goal, if you know, I, I like having goals. I like having challenges because it keeps me honest and like the thousand foot mob. Uh, I don't know what number I'm on now. I don't count ski days and foot mobs the same, I guess, but I'm uh, but I do have the educational forum. I think maybe, Anth I don't know about yourself, but I know Anthony Claffey has gone through every single video on the educational platform because he has indexed the entire thing. I, I know. Have, but on my dashboard, I still have a few that do not say a hundred percent. So my goal over the next couple of months is to actually get every single video on the educational platform to 100%. And then and I've rewatched several of them, but there's some that I haven't, um, maybe because of my arrogance, I don't think I need to or whatever, but, uh, but I got to put that off to the side and actually look at all of them. But uh, go to the mentor, yeah, sign up for a mentoring session. I would love to, to work with that. And there's so many between yourself, myself, I mean, Harry Norman, we've got um, Ricardo Galliati in, in Australia, Monica Volkmar in Canada. We got Ryan Chab in Southern California. Um, who am I missing? I'm, I'm missing somebody. Harry Anthony himself, right? Anthony, it, yeah, I think you got everybody. Yeah. That are doing it, and then Rob Sawyer, but Rob's the quiet mentor who's no one's no one's saying anything. Like, yeah, Rob, somebody's good. You're gonna have to mentor somebody somewhere down the road with that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and just rockysnyder.com, all the descriptions down below. And if you haven't seen it before, just scroll on down. All right. Well, thank you so much for letting me put you in the hot seat. And um, I learned a lot. So thank you. Thank you. If you'd like to find out more information about the Flow Motion Model, Anatomy and Motion Courses, or Gary Ward himself, pick up a copy of his book, What the Foot? 
at findingcenter.co.uk. And while you're at it, pick up a copy of my book, Return to Center, where I take the flow motion model and apply it to strength training and conditioning. You can get a copy of that at rockysnyder.com. Thanks for listening.